Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. How long has it been since your last FDA inspection? Are you ready? Do you know what to do? This is John Spear, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.Guru. And on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, you're going to meet the newest member of the Greenlight team, Jessica Lyons. And Jessica and I are going to talk a little bit about FDA inspections and 483 observations and warning letters. And it's all about preparing you for the upcoming webinar that we have at Greenlight.Guru about how to avoid and respond to FDA 483s and warning letters. And this is being hosted on May the 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to go to greenlight.guru and sign up for the webinar. And be sure to listen to this exciting episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, this is John Spear, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Today, I have an exciting guest, a special guest. She is the latest and greatest addition to the Greenlight team. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast and to Greenlight and to your world in the medical device industry. Welcome, Jessica Lyons. Jessica, Hi. yeah, say hello. It's fun to be on here. I've been with Greenlight now for about a month. Yeah. So, so it's been a fast-paced last few weeks. Yeah, so tell everybody a little bit about your role and a little bit about your background that led you to the Greenlight.Guru team. So starting with my background, I'm a Rose Holman graduate, graduated as a mechanical engineer in 2007, and got started after that at Beckman Coulter for four years in custom integration, learning all about the product development lifecycle that way. Cool. And then the last two years, I've spent working at CRI, helping get things, at medical devices, transferred into manufacturing. So cool. I've, I've seen the beginning and the end. All right. And, and CRI, for those who may not know what CRI is, is, is now some new crime scene show on CBS. It's, uh, it's actually catheter research. Right. So they're a contract manufacturer, and so that's where I got to see kind of the beginning life cycle stuff, helping customers bring product to market, and then once they've gotten their clearances, helping them actually get it manufactured. Right, Right. so you've been at this now for, I think, what, 10 years? Almost, yeah. Almost 10 years, coming up on an anniversary. Yep. It's a big deal. You're going to go back to college and and catch up with your old classmates. 10-year deal, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. No, we're already planning on going back for homecoming, so looking forward to that. Cool. Well, Jessica, you know, I, I had the privilege of knowing and, and working with Jessica before Greenlight.Guru many, many years ago, uh, and that's where I first understood and, and got to kind of peek inside your brain, so to speak. It's a scary place to be. <laughs> well, I don't know. You told me it was a great place to be. Well. You're, you're process-oriented, you're systems-oriented, and things of that nature. So Some people are scared by the process. I don't want to see how things how it's like make, watching sausage. Like, you know, yeah. you don't want to watch it, but you know, the, as long as the sausage tastes good, it's kind of what counts. Sure. Maybe we'll go with it. All right. All right. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing here at Greenlight.Guru. So what I'm doing here at Greenlight is making customers successful, whatever okay. that takes. All right. 
I'm helping train, showing you how to use the software, making sure you understand what buttons to click when. Mm -hmm. With new features coming out, making sure you understand how to use those new features. And then the greatest part is that I'm helping you solve your problems. Cool. So if you don't understand how to do design inputs or what is a user need, I get to go through and explain that and help educate and train. And that is that is what I do that's the most exciting. For yeah. Me. Well, and, and you know, it's the most exciting for me as well. I think sometimes the, there's a bit of a misnomer. If somebody thinks about greenlight.guru, the thing that they that may pop into somebody's head is that we are a software company. Yes, it is true. We have software. But you, you also have people like Jessica and myself, as well as our team of gurus who are med device experts. We, we've been doing this mm -hmm. for, for quite some time, whether it's product development or quality or regulatory. And we actually provide services, support services to, to customers uh, if and when they need that. Whether, as Jessica said, it's helping them determine how, what a design input is versus a user need and we just had a call with a customer a little bit ago talking about the difference between hazardous situation and harms from a risk management perspective. So we, we do focus a great deal on, on content. And one of these things that, that you've been a part of, I guess, as more of a participant, and, and we're going to get you more involved as one of the kind of behind-the-scenes resources or things like podcasts like today and, and content pieces, writing blogs. I know you're, you're working on that. And then also webinars and things like that. And speaking of webinars, we do have one upcoming. We do, and uh, it's all about the the wonderful FDA inspection process. So. Oh, you mean the scary FDA inspection <laughs> process? Yeah, I don't know. It's intimidating. It is. Yeah, it is intimidating. I, I mean, I've I've been through FDA inspections. I guess I should actually go back in time and come up with a count, but let's let's just say a lot. Oh, see, I haven't been through any FDA inspections. I've been through ISO, yeah. and that was scary and intimidating as it is, yeah. and that was the easy audit. Yeah, I mean, there is a difference for sure. I, I, I mean, similar in scope, but uh, but way different as far as the, the feeling that you have going through ISO audit versus an FDA inspection. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, because you feel like you know, during an FDA inspection, I, I don't know, I mean, Let's let's be real. An, F, an FDA inspector is a law enforcement official. They have badges. <laughs> well, and you hear the the horror stories of they're very intimidating and you they do. stare at you and you feel that compelling silence that you have to fill. You do, yeah. It's, that's a true story. I mean, I, I just was in an, in an FDA inspection a couple of weeks ago. There was a lot of moments where there was awkward silence, and it's actually a tactic. That, that can be employed by some FDA inspectors. And if you're not comfortable with that awkward silence, you will start blabbing and you oh, start it, talking. It works really well. It does. I mean, even in ISO situations, it happens. But, but in, a, in an FDA perspective, I mean, it, it does feel sort of like an us versus them sort of thing, like they're out to get us, you know, sort of thing. And, and I, I certainly understand that. But it is a high stress in, in thing. And I, I think, you know, it's one of these things that, med device companies, they don't believe it's going to happen to them. They don't believe that mm. there will be an FDA inspection. Yeah, which is kind of odd that people don't believe it'll happen, considering that the FDA tells you we'll, we'll come at some point right. within two years. We'll, we'll come take a look at what you've done. Right, right. and that's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, if you're going to have a class two or class three device, 
the FDA is mandated to inspect you every two years. Uh, realistically speaking, they, they don't always get to every company every two years, but they will come inspect you. I promise they will. Uh, it's it's, it's going to happen. I mean, like I said, uh, the one most recent that I dealt with is it's a little three-person company. They've been making a device for, for same device, single device for uh, almost 40 years, and uh, it's a pretty low-risk product. There haven't been any issues with it. But FDA shows up every couple of years to go through the, the FDA inspection. And it uh, doesn't matter your size or shape or how long you've been around, you will go through an FDA inspection. So how do we prepare? <laughs> well, okay, so that, that's, a, that's a great question. And there's a, I can go super deep on this. But, but first and foremost, you need to have a quality system. And you probably need to make sure that that quality system is up to speed. And you know, de- depending on where you are in the continuum, I'm going to make the assumption that that you have a device that has been cleared or you're preparing for that device clearance, you should definitely have a quality management system that aligns with the FDA's 21 CFR Part 820 uh, regulations. So that's a, that's a first piece. So next, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. There are things you can, you can go and you can bring in a person like you or me and have somebody – do a, a gap analysis, go through your procedures, go through your documents, go through your records. You can certainly do that as well, uh, which, you know, that can be a little expensive and a little time consuming. You do have an, you should have an internal auditing program. Right. And, and so that internal auditing program, if it's robust, it should be really more, hopefully more stringent and more difficult than, than an FDA inspection or an ISO audit. And so even if it's not, it should help you prepare and identify areas of weakness, things that you need to improve upon. Uh, I will also encourage you to go check out the uh, FDA publishes. This is the beautiful thing about the FDA, Jessica. They tell you what the regulations are, so it's free. You don't have to pay for it. 21 CFR Part 820. They tell you everything you need to put in your quality quality system. And then they, they publish the Guide to Quality System Inspection Techniques, Okay. Uh, the guidance document, and sometimes people refer to that as QSIT, QSIT, but they tell you what they're going to look at during their inspection of your facility. So you have the their audit plan, so to speak, or their inspection plan, even ahead of time. So I, I would encourage you to go read that too. So why is it so scary? <laughs> well, it's scary because they're going to be looking at at uh, everything. They're going to be looking at records, and, and so. Let me put you in the context of, of that FDA inspection. Let's imagine that you got the phone call or, or the knock on the door and the FDA says, hey, uh, Jessica, Jessica, this is John. I'm from the FDA. Knee-jerk reaction. What do you, how do you respond to that? Oh, dear, no. <laughs> uh, well, Jessica, it's, uh, it's time for your FDA inspection. It's not like you're on a game show or anything, but, but that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coordinate with you. And so – Jessica, I'm going to come to your facility next week. I'm going to be there uh, on Tuesday, and we're going to start your FDA inspection. And then what do you do? How do you react to that? You start pulling every document you've got and right. freaking out. You start freaking out for sure. And that's a, that's a pretty knee-jerk reaction. It's a pretty natural response. But, you know, I, I do want you as uh, – Jessica, I'm a human. You're a human. We are people too. So – uh, but you should definitely be prepared. But but here's the trick. You know, if that FDA phone call or the knock on the door 
freaks you out, go through that freak out right now as you're listening to this podcast. Realize that you need to always be ready for an FDA inspection because you don't know when they're going to show up. No, you really don't. I mean, they, the best case scenario is they call you ahead of time and they tell you, we're going to come in a, to your facility here in a, in a couple of days or a few weeks. But they don't have to call you. They can just show up. Yeah. So you should always be ready for an FDA inspection. All right. So that's a little bit about kind of the prep. But let's go to let's talk a little bit about what happens when when FDA inspector shows up to your facility. Yeah. They always seem to find the one piece <laughs> that you wish they wouldn't. Uh, yeah, it happens. So, you know, it's important. You know, let me like kind of take you through what that what that uh, the start of your FDA inspection is going to be like. So the FDA inspector is going to show up to your facility. Usually at the time that they said they're going to be there, they're going to pull out their badge, their credentials. They're going to show everybody their credentials. Yes, FDA inspectors, they have badges and, and IDs and all that sort of thing. And then they're going to, they're going to go through a, a short interview process. They're going to issue a form 482 notice of inspection. They will give that to you, which is basically a, a, a document that just says, hey, uh, med device company, I'm from the FDA and I'm here to do your inspection. <laughs> it's kind of redundant considering when they show up. That's yeah. really what they're there for. I mean, it's a, it's a legality thing. I mean, keep in mind everything that they're doing, they're documenting along the way. And there will be reports and communications throughout a number of different divisions and groups within the, the, the agency once your inspection is done. So they'll ask a whole bunch of questions about your business. And it's always good for, for you to be prepared and, and have products, sample products uh, available uh, to be uh, able to kind of describe, at least from a high level, what those products are and you know keep in mind that everything you say uh, should be in alignment with the cleared indications for use for your products it's good to have things like data sheets and operators manuals handy but i, I think if you can the more you can educate and inform that fda inspector what your product is how it works uh, that's going to be helpful all right so I'm, I'm i may be rambling a bit what what uh, what other burning questions do you have about going through the fda process so why do they always find something that might be questionable? Yeah, well, that's uh, keep in mind the FDA's job is really about protecting healthcare consumers. And it's their job to make sure that the products that are in the use uh, for medical purposes are safe and effective. You know, it's the whole regulatory product classification process to get a device cleared and registered to the market it's commensurate with the risk that your, the product poses. Uh, and the way that the FDA keeps, you know, sort of tabs or ensures on an ongoing consistent basis that the products are safe is through a couple of mechanisms. One mechanism is through uh, the, the reporting program that they have. So if, if you are a manufacturer and there are serious events, adverse events that are happening with your products, you need to report those events through the medical device reporting program uh, with the FDA. Uh, healthcare facilities can also con contribute to, mm -hmm. that, to that program, but it's voluntary for the healthcare facility. So that's one area where the, where the FDA is monitoring what's happening with products. And then the other area where they, they check is through the, the inspection, FDA inspection, on-site inspections. 
And they're going to dig into things like probably start in an area either with complaints or with CAPAS. And they're just going to trace basically everything through your entire records and documentation and basically sample n numerous records of CAPAS, numerous CAPAS, numerous complaints, and, and just follow that thread kind of all the way through your entire process. They're going to go all the way back to the origin, uh, the design and development activities. And so if you can imagine that every step along the way, they're pulling CAPAS and complaints and nonconformances and deviations and and inspection forms and DMRs and DHRs and DHFs and all the stuff that goes into that, there's a pretty good chance they're going to find a document or a record that the, the inspector is going to have some sort of issue or discrepancy with. So there is no way that one person knows everything there is to know about the entire product line from start to finish. No. How many people are involved in these audits? Well, I, I mentioned that my recent story is a three, was a three-person company. And, and, you know, that's a that's a bit tricky to manage an FDA inspection in a three-person company. Uh, me being there made it the fourth person. <laughs> I, I would say an ideal scenario. Let me describe that a bit first. An ideal scenario is that you have a, a two-room system set up. You have the main room, that the war room, so to speak, where the FDA inspector is there with your management representative. And then you'd have your team of subject matter experts that depending on, on what the topic is or what the, the product is or what have you, that you've identified who these people are. You, you may have a subject matter expert for Kappa. You may have a subject matter expert for product X. You may have a subject matter expert for product Y. And so you identify you know, kind of the, those SMEs in your team and then as those topics come up in the course of that FDA inspection, you're grabbing each of these subject matter experts. And then in the second room, you have a back room. And so the FDA inspector is going to, she, he or she is going to make a request for a record or can mm -hmm. I see this or can I see that? And, and you should have the war room, somebody in the war room communicating with somebody in the back room. And so as these requests come in, the back room goes and retrieves the document, reviews the document, basically gets the gist of what's in that document ahead of time. And, and granted, it's, you're right. Nobody can know every single detail of every single product, document, record. And, you know, reviewing it just a few minutes before it comes into the war room, I mean, that's not an ideal scenario either. But obviously the FDA doesn't send you a list and say, we want you to pick these five CAFAs and these 12 complaints and, and so on. So, to some extent, you kind of have to roll with it. And this is why it's important to not freak out during the when you get the phone call that says, hey, I'm FDA, I'm showing up. This is why it's important for you to be ready for the FDA inspection anytime so that you're kind of always on. You always know that this process is good and that we've got records here and so on. Sounds like it's also always good to be very thorough in your documentation so that if somebody else is taking a look at it down the road, they're able to actually follow what you've done. Well, I... Yeah, I think uh, out of anything that you can think about, realize that, yeah, let's be real. You and I are engineers. We've worked with a lot of engineers. Uh, you and I maybe kind of are somewhat of exceptions. I don't mean to generalize too much here, but, but I know plenty of engineers that I said, uh, all right, yes or no, do you like documentation? <laughs> Most engineers are going to say no. no. 
And I would say in general, that's that's sort of the, the mentality of not just engineers, but a lot of people in the med device industry, because it feels like sometimes that all these regulations are forcing us to create a lot of documents that are a waste of time. Mountains and mountains of paperwork. Yeah. The, the um, former employer, he used to refer to it as the paper blizzard, right? Mm. So uh, there's a lot of negative connotation when it comes to documentation and record keeping. But I think it's very important for you to realize that as you're going through your product development process or as you're documenting risk or as you're capturing the details of a particular complaint or whatever the case may be, that that effort of documenting that event isn't for you in that moment in time. It's for somebody else in your company at some moment in time in the future, like an FDA inspection. You got to consider that, that anything that you document, that you record and store, manage, and maintain in your company's records could be part of an FDA inspection someday. Very good point. Conversely, anything you don't document yeah. could also be subject of your FDA inspection as well, which there are plenty of things that you should not document. But if it's related to complying with mm-hmm. your procedures and with complying with the FDA 820 regulations, then you should be documenting it. Absolutely. If you don't document it, it didn't happen. That's what I hear. Yeah. So, I uh, anything else that burning questions that you have? I mean, I I can't wait till the next time I have an FDA inspection come up. At, <laughs> uh, well, that makes one of us. Uh, well, I mean, it's uh, I was gonna say because I was gonna have you sit in and, and join in the process. Probably good to know a little bit else about. Okay, they're here. How long are they gonna be here? Probably good to know a little bit about. Then what happens after the FDA inspection? What do you do yeah. there as well? And uh, you know, you can expect an FDA inspection. It's very plausible that it could take easily five to seven days. Wow! Doesn't That's matter. A lot. It is a lot. It doesn't matter if you're big or small. It's probably going to be a five to seven day process minimum. That's not not the average or maximum. That's that's the minimum. They find stuff, they'll be there longer. But uh, mm-hmm. once the FDA inspection wraps up, you're going to get what's no. You, you may not. You may be one of those lucky companies that, that has no further action required. We all have a party and cheer. If you have no further action required from your FDA in- inspection, yeah, that's a big deal. It's a little bit more likely to expect that you're going to get what's known as a 483 observation. Uh-oh. Well, it's yeah, it's a big deal. Uh Basically, a 483 observation, the, the number 483, I mentioned earlier, the, the form 482 notice of inspection. Well, once you've had your inspection and there are results of that inspection, any issues that the inspector identifies during that inspection will be documented on an FDA form 483. They assign numbers just like the rest of us? They assign document numbers, yep, just like everybody else. So. If, if you have discrepancies or issues or deficiencies with respect to the evidence that the inspector observed, then, then that's going to be captured on a form 483. So how do I refute that? What if I think they're wrong? Well, that's, if you think they're wrong, it's, it is a, a bit of a delicate process. Uh, as you're going through the inspection, if, you, if you're not clear about why the FDA inspector has identified something as an issue, you should ask, why is this and not in a way that's contentious, but in a way that's that's trying to get education and information. If you just you know you do have an opportunity to, to kind of dispute that in a in a uh, 
I guess, in a friendly sort of way during the inspection. And uh, give yourself an opportunity to, to provide sub substantial objective evidence to support your claim. Don't just say, well, I don't agree. Be sure you can support it with objective evidence uh, or documentation. And if you, could, you felt like you've done that and you built your case to, and you still got the 43 observation, there is a whole escalation process. I'm not going to get into here, but you can certainly dispute that. You can go through, you know, the FDA ha does have an escalation process where you can, you can say, I don't agree with this and so on. But let's imagine you agree, you, you yeah. realize you've got some, some issues and there's a whole bunch of 483s that 483 observations that FDA have documented. Now you need to provide a written response to the FDA. How quickly do I have to do that? Uh, you have to do so within, within 15 days of receiving your 483s. Okay. So at least they give you some time. They give you a little bit of time. And they don't expect you to solve everything within 15 days. They expect you to communicate the root cause. They expect you to communicate the corrective action, action plan and some details. And, and in my experience, you're going to identify, you're going to start to capture capitals or corrective actions for each of your observations. Mm -hmm. You're going to identify an action plan. You're going to identify uh, a relative timeline, although that's a little less important. Uh, you're going to identify your root cause, and you're going to communicate to FDA, here's what we're going to do about it. And you're going to specify to the FDA, you know, we expect this, the, all of these issues to be uh, addressed within three months or six months or whatever the case may be. And then you'll set the stage and say, you know, we're going to communicate. We're going to communicate with you every four weeks or every month or every six weeks. But we're going to continue to follow up with you and communicate to you, FDA, our progress on this. And we're going to do so until we've completed everything. So there's a there's a little bit of a formality there. There's you know, certainly documentation that that you want to keep a pretty good record of that. You my recommendation is to go overboard you know, to some extent. Certainly. Monthly updates in the beginning are good. Giving FDA more and more information about what you're doing about this is is important. Uh, you know, make the FDA tell you, all right, stop, stop sending us so much information, right? Kind of go to that extreme because you want to to clearly communicate to FDA, this is what we're doing about it, and here's the evidence as we're going through this process that we're we're fixing this. Do they have to approve of our plan when we submit that at the end of the 15 days or within that 15 days? Well, they don't necessarily have to approve of your plan per se. Uh, if they disagree with something that you're communicating to them, uh, they are likely to bring that to your attention. But don't expect that to be a super fast process. I mean, you may be several weeks into this before you would hear back and say, yeah, we don't agree or something to that, to that extent. It's also possible that if the issues are serious enough, then then uh, FDA might send it up the food chain, so to speak, and and uh, it's possible that you could get a warning letter from the situation. But generally speaking, in my experience, you know, the, that's why you ask the questions during the FDA inspection. Understand what the issue is, and and understand, you know, start to formulate the ideas about how to address and resolve this before that inspector leaves. Then that inspector is not going to say, yes, I agree with your plan necessarily, but it should give you some good ideas. So, you know, any, any other uh, uh, questions that, that you have that I can, uh, that I, you can think of right now about, about FDA inspections? So since they are 
you know, MDRs, those are public. You can go out there and search for things. What about all these issues with my, I mean, you see copies of warning letters out there. Right. And when you go to conferences, you hear people saying, don't do this, don't do that. Right. What information is actually out there for everyone? Sure. So, so the form 43s that are issued to companies, uh, that's not in the public domain. So you, you can't see if I have received 43 observations from FDA. If I get a warning letter, yeah, that is in the public domain. What you can find is, is you can find FDA, FDA does publish their data on, on the issues why companies are getting 43 observations. They do that on an annual basis. For example, design control, once again in 2015, was the number one reason why companies got 43 observations. And it's like number two reason why companies get warning letters. So you can get data and information there. But, you know, again, I, I just encourage you all. It's not a surprise. Follow the the regulations. Follow the guidance document, and that's the best source. So you can you can find a lot of information, and you know certainly you can ask people like you and I, and and we read this stuff uh, for entertainment at times. But uh, you and everyone else know. Remind everyone that we do have a webinar coming up here at uh, May the twenty sixth at one p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to dive into this and a lot more. And the topic is how to avoid and respond to FDA 43s and warning letters. And we'll get into a lot more depth and detail. So I encourage everyone to go to greenlight.guru and sign up for the webinar. Well, I know. I will definitely be there. <laughs> yes, you will. All right. <laughs> well, I enjoyed uh, having you, uh, introducing you to the rest of the greenlight.guru global medical device podcast audience and look forward to having everyone sit in and enjoy the, the webinar on FDA 43, the warning letters. And I look forward to working with everyone at some point in the future. All right. Talk, talk to everybody soon. Bye.